Welcome all you Plus Two Comedy Modifiers to another episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, as always, TV's Noah Houlihan. Thank you so much for joining me. And before we get to our fantastic episode with the absolutely fantastic Mike Quackenbush, I have to tell you a couple of quick thank yous. Thank you to all the fine folks down at KatoriCon. We were there this past weekend at Rowan University, and we did a little bit of stand-up. I personally wasn't there, but the rest of Plus Two Comedy was there, and they had a fantastic show. So thank you to the staff for helping us run such a fantastic con for us to perform at, and also all of you who were able to come out and watch the show. Also, you guys may have noticed some guys that kind of looked like us took part in cosplay pro wrestling so thanks to all the folks that made that possible also we never clearly said this but uh, i have some plans for you for january 25th this is what you're going to do okay it's 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 not hard you're going to go to adventurelandstore.com there you can buy your tickets to meet the one and only seth Rollins. Buy your tickets there. That event starts at 9 o'clock in the morning. Then what you're going to do is you're going to go head down to the arena, the old ECW arena at 2 o'clock, and you're going to see Chikara's season premiere. Tickets are still available for that, and you will get out in time for the Royal Rumble. So be sure to check out the Chikara show on the 25th and be sure to check out Seth Rollins at Adventureland. And is it just me or is Chuck Taylor in way better shape than him? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And also, one last thing. You need to click the link below and get your free audiobook from Audible. It helps support the podcast and you get a free audiobook. So do that. All right, that's enough ado. Please take it away. Kirby Cracker. We're on the road, we're going home to the place where wild nerds roam with pretty girls and dudes and kids. Going to cons is our escape. It's like Mega in a star filled sky where you can meet all your heroes and none of them fly. We're on the road, we're going home. Ready for a podcast? Yeah, that's right. They're coming around. <laughs> Scattered. This is the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. I am your host, as always, TV's Noah Houlihan. We are recording live from Adventureland in the world's strangest mall at twenty-one twenty Voorhees Town Center, Voorhees Township, New Jersey. I am joined. As always, by the Sony Pictures to my Spider-Man, Mr. Will Liam. How you doing, Will? I'm doing great. Good. Good to hear. Yeah, I know it's awful. I'm not going to address it. <laughs> and our guest this week is the director of fun for Chikara Pro Wrestling. He is also the host of the trending show and the Grizzly Bear Egg Cafe. Please give it up for Mike Quackenbush. Thank you. I wanted to make sure that got right into the microphone. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, get that applause in there. Yes. We have a long tradition of the guest getting more applause than us. So this is, this is normal for us. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for coming down here. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. This, is, uh, this should be my personal cave. It's like the 
confluence of comic books, mm-hmm. pro wrestling, and pop culture all in one place. Yes. We like to say that this is a hot topic that ate a comic book store. Hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> My, I'm starting to think that we have a bit of a Chikara curse because our usual crowd didn't come for our last Chikara member. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And, and our Chikara member didn't come. Bryce canceled. So I, I don't see. know what it is. <laughs> About that could hurt attendance, I yeah, think, when the guest did. cancels. It did a lot. <laughs> but I greatly appreciate you coming down here because I am such a big fan. And uh, so start by telling us a little bit what the director of fun for Chikara, what are your responsibilities? This is it. I go to podcasts uh, <laughs> and uh, I get coffee. That's about it. Doesn't um, seem fun at all. No. Uh, it's, a mis- <laughs> it's a misnomer. Director of fun is a gross misnomer. That's not what I do at all. Um, <laughs> It, it is a great position for this reason. I get to, uh, like on programs like this, I get to go out and speak about Chikara and what I'm passionate about in professional wrestling, and it gives me sort of carte blanche to do that, uh, which is terrific. Um, but I also have uh, a lot of great things that I get to do when it comes to organizing a wrestling card, putting matches together, which is great fun as well. Fantastic. And we have a big show coming up January 25th. Mm-hmm. It's your season premiere, correct? That's right. It's the season 15 premiere. We're at the old ECW arena. It's now called the 2300 arena. And it's just up the road in South Philadelphia across the bridge. What a terrible name that they, they've changed that arena to. Don't worry. It'll be changed again before this airs. Don't worry. Oh, that is, that is 100% true. Mm-hmm. So what can we expect at the season premiere this year? Uh, the new sign for the arena being hung up with a different name. That'll be the first thing you'll notice <laughs> exciting, when you arrive. Exciting, exciting. Um, and uh, it's, it's a great place to jump on board if you've not been following us or if you feel daunted by 14 seasons of continuity or all that kind of stuff. I feel that way about Doctor Who. I know that I would like Doctor Who if I just got in, but I can't start in season mm-hmm. 65. Uh, so if you're waiting for a chance to jump into what we do, because it is very much inspired by comics. It's very much a love letter to um, that type of storytelling. It can be difficult to jump into a narrative in the middle. So this one, I mean, it's literally titled A New Start. This is a great place. It's a great jump-on issue for you if you're new and uh, you want to explore what we do. Yeah, I try to, to preach Jakara to my audience as much as possible, mm-hmm. and the reaction I get a lot is, are you kidding like are, this sounds it like sounds a lie. It sounds like you're making it up. I was yeah, like, no, this is what happened. Oh, and what part sounds like a lie? Uh, <laughs> I believe the the last time I got that reaction was I was explaining that Los Ice Cream was putting uh, Jimmy's into the ring, uh, and then uh, uh, Jarvis Cottonbelly. Uh, retrieved a shop vac mm. from the back and made sure it was clean since he is the world's sweetest man mm-hmm. and he didn't want it to be a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part is true. Yes, the, everything true. I just so. said mm-hmm. absolutely happened. See, I, I didn't believe you that a, a gentleman traveled through time. Yes, mm. yes, yes. Uh, Archie Peck did travel through time after being hit with the back mm-hmm. fist of the future. It's a, it's a dangerous mm. maneuver. <laughs> and at last year's National Pro Wrestling Day, that's when he returned in the DeLorean. Yes. yes. So. And, and all my boyhood dreams came true. <laughs> Good. Because I got to take a picture with the DeLorean. Perhaps we should retire on that. We made all of Noah's boyhood <laughs> dreams come true. Um, Which was the goal, I assume, when you set out. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the angle where Linda Carter in the Wonder Woman suit beats you up. I, was, mm-hmm. I would imagine that's the other one. Once we're able to accomplish that, yes. there's nothing left. If anyone knows how I can get in touch with her, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was at... No, it wasn't at National Pro Wrestling Day. It was at, uh, I want to say, King of Trios, where you had your speech about how uh, we are Chikara. Mm. 
And I, I just, I greatly appreciated uh, the the connection and involvement of the fans. That Chikara definitely feels more like an experience than a show. Mm-hmm. Th- am I making sense? Yes, uh, I, I know what you're referring to. I was there. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I really believe that pro wrestling is. Uh, this fascinating form of performance art that has the opportunity to engage people in a way that uh, the experience, the static experience like of a television or movie screen, or even it's a more tactile experience holding a comic book in front of you, um, reading a novel or seeing live theater, um, it takes you on an emotional journey. It has the opportunity to engage you in ways that other uh, forms of entertainment do not. And I think what trips people up about professional wrestling as an art form uh, is if you grew up either knowing a fan of wrestling or you were a fan of wrestling, people really get tripped up by this. And I know this because inevitably one of my aunts or uncles will say this every year at Thanksgiving. They're like, do you mean that fake stuff? That's what they, like, that's what they say about professional wrestling. And in 2015, the people that love professional wrestling are not ignorant that what's happening takes place in a fictional universe, but rather they embrace it. In the same way that when we go out to see, as we all will on May 1st, we'll all go see Avengers Age of Ultron together. And by that, I, I mean all of you. I was just thinking that. Um, we will all, you will all buy me snow caps at the mm-hmm. theater, and we will sit and watch Age of Ultron together. That's like my, 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 my aunt saying to me over Thanksgiving. She's like, don't you know those Avengers are fake? That's, that's irrelevant <laughs> to my entertainment experience. No, no, Avengers was a documentary <laughs> filmed in real time. The, the, the Hawkeye parts were a documentary, but the rest is a fictionalization. No. Um, that's true. All of that's true. Bow, a bow and arrow in the age of uh, semi-automatic rifles. Uh, anyway. Watch Rambo. I'm sick of making this argument with people. <laughs> oh, Katniss shot down a jet. Yeah, so does Rambo. Stallone does it like four times. <laughs> Nobody was mad about it then. <laughs> Uh, I think people get lost in that. that uh, they, they, there's some kind of, uh, maybe it's a bias or a prejudice they bring to the art form. And I just don't think those things are relevant anymore. If we embrace what wrestling is as a fictional storytelling universe, then we can feel free to take something from comic books or science fiction, from mythology, from live performance, whether it's improv or sketch or circus. And you can bring all these things together kind of shake it up and make a very unique form of pro wrestling, which I think is the flavor we make at Chikara. And uh, that's why I think when you describe things like time travel or the shop vac that's loose in the ring, people that have made that preconceived notion about what wrestling can contain feel like, oh, they must be lying. But (laughs) there is so much more to what uh, the world of wrestling permits, I think, than what most people are ready to understand. And that's kind of, that's part of my mission as director of fun. I've got to get out there and preach the gospel of what we do and make people understand this is probably not what you think. And chances are, if you gave it a try, you'd be surprised how much you like it. And so I highly recommend it to all of our listeners out there. Check it out. It's, it's all over YouTube. And if you can't go to YouTube, because that's an inconvenience, on January 25th, head on down to the arena. You'll get out in time for the Royal Rumble. Correct? <laughs> That's right. We'll definitely get you out in time for the Royal Rumble, and all of our tour dates for the first half of the year have been released. So uh, we're coming to the New England area, we're coming to the Midwest, the Mid-Atlantic, in April we're touring the UK, so wherever you might be. Old we'll, England. Uh, we will try to get to you. <laughs> Regular England, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Old England. 
T- tell us about the international tour, because that's spectacular that no. you're heading over across the <laughs> pond. No? Okay. Uh, so we're, uh, we're going over in April. Uh, we'll be in uh, central England and Wolverhampton. We're going to Wales. We're going to Cardiff. And then we'll also be in London. And this is our first uh, trip to the UK. So we're very excited in that it feels like for years and years we've heard from our fan base over there saying, when are you coming? When are you coming? When are you coming? And we're delighted to at last be able to go over them and greet them in person. But it, it will be... Um, quite the adventure and it's very very risky because at the end of the day although we sometimes cast a very big shadow we are a very small company and um even something as simple as that going awry or or not being successful um could be a great impediment to the future of the company so it's always a very calculated risk when we kind of step out and uh, decide to go and visit our friends in faraway places now I wasn't sure based off of the commercial I saw, but is is King of Trios going to be over there, or is that a secret still? Uh, no, or? that is a bit of a secret, but I can tell you <laughs> this part. Uh, it will not be overseas. Okay. That will be held domestically. I, I was greatly concerned, because <laughs> I love King of Trios. And it, it's interesting that you you, uh, you brought up the, the fans' demand, uh, because I went to Reddit and I asked if uh, anyone had any questions for you. Mm. And the most popular question is, when are you coming to Pittsburgh? Uh, and I believe that's like where you me went personally. to school. Me personally, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, Pittsburgh is not in our plans, and it, it really just comes down to the way the state of Pennsylvania is regulated by an athletic commission. It's very hard to go somewhere where uh, you do not have a licensed ringside physician. It's really a very simple logistical issue. So, uh, I don't see. I don't see Pittsburgh in, in our immediate future. But it's very nice that you miss us, Pittsburgh. Yes, the, Pittsburgh greatly misses you. <laughs> Pittsburgh, you could come see me. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, here on the other side here. of the state. Yeah, it's not come that to Philadelphia. Far. It's not that far of a drive. It's like four and a half hours. But yeah, I went to school out there. So <laughs> yeah, but the Royal Rumble's here, so you can do. Th- there's lots of things to do on that day mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. So come out for it. It's going to be wonderful. I promise you. It's only a long drive going to Pittsburgh. The way back isn't. The, the way back, you're like, thank God, I'm leaving Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> this is I don't care how long it is. But going out there, you're like, oh. They have too many bridges in Pittsburgh. In <laughs> case you're wondering, way too many bridges. You you did go to school out there, right? I did. Okay. I spent two years at the University of Pittsburgh, and then we agreed we should see other people, mm-hmm. and I moved on to professional wrestling, and I don't know what Pitt's been up to since. <laughs> you, don't, you don't talk much on Facebook? Well, I played that Fallout expansion. They're not, <laughs> they're they're not, not doing, doing well. well. <laughs> I mean, not a lot worse than the last time I was there, but... <laughs> so, so, Mike, I have to ask, because I love your style of wrestling. Uh, hmm. it's, it is definitely wrestling, and... Uh, the best way to describe Mike Quackenbush in the ring is he's doing his best to confuse whoever is calling the match. Hmm. Because it seems to me a typical uh, Mike Quackenbush match involves the phrase, and that was a, uh, whoo, um, <laughs> like an inverted, yeah, goes for the cover. <laughs> that phrase is in every one of Mike's matches. So tell us about how you became the man of a thousand holds. I've been really fortunate to train in uh, Mexico, uh, I toured Europe and Japan, and I got to learn from wonderfully talented people who were very, very generous. Uh, and I was spent many, many years where I was just fascinated by the physical mechanics of wrestling, uh, that uh, if I did this a little bit differently or I did this like that, a, a totally different outcome was possible. And uh, I really... Uh, that sort of thing captured my imagination for a very long time, the minutia of, well, what makes this suplex different from that one, etc.? So, uh, and my brain, uh, I'm the kind of guy, I like to make long lists of things. So, 
being able to start to categorize, all right, I know these 70 or 80 types of arm drags, or I know these types of leg takedowns, uh, became like a challenge for myself. And uh, it was always a lot of fun to kind of take what I learned very recently and showcase that in a match. I, I feel like, oh, I just learned this, and I really want to show this to our audience. I want to share this new bit of information that I got. And... That was always tremendous fun. That was a little bit of fun that I could bring to the match uh, for myself. And I always liked that reaction when somebody would say, I, I never saw that before. Uh, then I thought, oh, good. Like, I'm able to bring something that here might be an obsolete uh, escape from a wrist lock from 1970s Great Britain. And I can show that to an American audience and kind of keep that thing from dying. Um, there are a lot of types. I think some of the more dated Lucha Libre styles um, they're almost becoming obsolete, especially as Mexican wrestling is becoming increasingly Americanized by the influence of WWE. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the WWE's influence is indisputable on a worldwide basis. So a lot of these older wrestling forms are starting to die out. They're just not relevant anymore. And uh, I think it's a wonderful thing to keep those alive. And uh, I, I know I'm not the only guy that feels that way about it. I've been really fortunate to make friends with other guys that are passionate about, let's keep this old art form from dying out. And uh, I used to always like to bring, during the days when I was still an active wrestler, I loved to bring that to every match that I had. Because yeah. I definitely saw something new every time I saw you. And uh, that brings me to my next question, which is uh, what happened with the injury? Because I was, I was supposed to be at that show, and uh, I was unable to attend. And uh, I always thought that if I was there, I could have caught you. So <laughs> w- uh, what happened at that show? Uh, we were wrestling at um, the Meadowlands Convention Center, I think it was, yes, in Secaucus, New Jersey. It was the weekend of WrestleMania, and uh, I was teaming with my wrestling idol, Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, very early on in the match, uh, I came off the top turnbuckle. I, I was doing a moonsault to the, to the outside, and I overshot just enough that my chest and arms struck my opponents, and my leg came down on the metal retaining barrier. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the way the, the metal retaining barrier was kind of mirrored, it was parallel to the way my femur struck it, and it split my leg open. Um, so although I was able to finish the match, I was aware that I'd done Which something bad to my leg. Um, <laughs> struck and, it right in a Noah Houlihan-shaped area. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when I got to the back, I took, uh, I, I have uh, like a kick pad that runs all the way up my shin. So I took off, I had a neoprene brace, I took my kick pad off, and I had a compression sock underneath everything. But that was really what was holding my leg together so that I could finish the match. But when I removed these things, it just kind of, you know, opened up wide and began to gush blood. And um, I, 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 that to me was the indication, that and a number of other injuries that it had in about the 18 months that preceded it, was indication I felt like, this is about it. Um, my body was really beginning to break down, and I never kept myself in outstanding physical condition in terms of, if you see the physique of guys on television and that sort of thing, I've never had one of those physiques. Um, my body was rapidly breaking down and kind of telling me, this is it, it's time for you to go. And uh, there was something very symbolic to me about having the opportunity to team with the man who inspired me to be a wrestler in the first place, and it seemed like a very apropos uh, time to just kind of step back out of the spotlight and leave the stage. So if I can ask a kind of serious question, because this is something I've, I've always wondered. Uh, when a wrestler decides that it's time to step away, mm-hmm. does the chant one more match bother you? Because I've always considered that to be the meanest chat, yeah. chant in wrestling. <laughs> And I just, I would love to get your opinion Maybe on it's that. very telling that I don't get that chant. <laughs> People are like, just enough. Just that enough. makes sense. Right. right. Uh, 
It's like my aunt at Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> common sense. That's, That's tough to chant. Um, it, that's tough. There are days I where I heard it at King of Trios for you. Uh, it's very flattering if you did, but um, that's not to say there aren't days where you feel like may, maybe I could do that if I chose. But um, usually, common sense I think wins out, um, and there, there's no mistaking that. There, there's a time when everything is kind of pointing you toward the exit sign, and you can resist that. I kind of feel that way about Ric Flair. Um, <laughs> you think? Like, um, he had the most wonderful send-off any professional wrestler could have dreamed of. Oh, yeah. Um, and you'll never get that again. Once you undo that, and I, I kind of feel that way about the match with Liger, um, I will never have that exact thing again to exit the stage. And um, it would, something very compelling would have to happen to make me want to undo it, not the least of which I think a lot of my physical ailments would have to clear up, and there's no indication that's happening. So. A lot of things like would have to happen, like miracles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Understood. Understood. So uh, I do have some uh, questions from Reddit, if, uh, if you don't mind. Um, just a bald guy uh, <laughs> asked, this is his name on Reddit, mm. uh, about the book uh, Fantastic Finishers that you wrote. Mm. He said that he loved it, and he was wondering if you would uh, be updating it anytime soon. Uh, no, thank you, though, and that's very flattering that you enjoyed it. That was the first book-length work that I did. It was about 96 pages, and it came out in the summer of 1998 in a magazine format, uh, right when I started freelancing for Pro Wrestling Illustrated and their sister publications at uh, London Kappa Publishing. And that was it was a lot of fun to research and to put out, uh, but uh, no. <laughs> no, not happening. No. Anything that you feel like should be in there that um, now that time has passed? Uh, I had no say over what that list was. That was given to me by the editorship of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and they said, these are the things that you're going to write about. Um, and in fact, they only came back to me. I, initially, I was not set to write it. They were oh. consulting me about it because a move that I had invented was in the book. Um, and then after they consulted me, and then they said, well, can you tell us also, we have this other thing, and we don't know how to write it. Can you tell us what about this? And then they said, do you know where the Boston Crab comes from? Could you explain that to us? And I said, yes. And they said, well, what about this move here? What can you tell us about that? <laughs> and after about the fifth of those phone calls, I think it was the editor-in-chief at the time, Stu Sachs, called me up and said, would you just write this for us? <laughs> this would be a lot easier. And, uh, and so I did. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That's it. Uh, I also I have a question here from Crimson Mask. This man wants to ask a question. Oh, question up front. <laughs> uh, my question was, what move did you invent that got put in the book? Oh, yeah, what move did you invent? Uh, it was a, a double springboard into a twisting senton. And I don't know why they thought that was the thing to put in there, but uh, it was very flattering that they put it in there. It was. Did, did it get a, a Quacken name? Was Quacken it? Smash. Quacken Ooh. Smash. I like so, that. That can be trademarked. <laughs> it hasn't been? No. Ooh. No, so if you want to jump on that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh yeah, right. I'd love to own the Quack and <laughs> I'm not about to do <laughs> it. Sure so there's, there are no do. royalties to collect. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, throwing money. Down I imagine well. you could pick up some ladies. I own the Quack and Smash. You think? Uh, yeah, but I'm not good at picking up ladies. I so That's not going to help. I don't know. I, <laughs> I kind of like the idea of you know the Quack and Smash is a springboard uh, plancha invented mm-hmm. on the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> That's what Wikipedia will say as soon as we adjourn. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. so get on that. <laughs> uh, I also uh, I have a question from Crimson Mask. Uh, mm. He wanted to know if you had any stories from uh, BYWF. From BYWF. Yes. Um, the BYWF was the 
my high school bunch of friends, and uh, we were backyard wrestlers at a time when that was extremely uncool, uh, when that was very much looked down upon. And I think we're probably at a point now where most people liked uh, liked uh, doing that sort of thing. They can talk about it openly. There's no stigma associated with wrestling around with your friends in somebody's basement or at the park. It's good fun, right. uh, as was this. Um, the first time I ever wrestled in a ring was the direct result of that. That was May 20th, 1994. I was a senior in high school. Uh, it was a few weeks before graduation. And collectively, a few friends of mine and I had uh, hoodwinked the vice principal of the high school, who was a known Bushwhacker fan, into <laughs> yeah. allowing a wrestling ring to come into the high school gym. And we put on uh, a very brief event. It's called Wilson War 94. It lasted all of 15 minutes. But nice. we wrestled in front of a thousand of our classmates. And um, that, was a, that was a really magical thing. That was a very magical mm-hmm. thing. It was at that moment I think I knew this is the trajectory of my life from this point <laughs> forward. I, I want this. I want to be able to go out and do this and get this reaction. Um, I fell in love with it immediately. And uh, I was certainly I was not a popular person in high school whatsoever. But when that was over, um, so people were leaving from our 15-minute wrestling demonstration in the gym. And everyone's at their locker, like, getting their coats out and getting their books out of their locker and everything else. I remember leaving high school, just running down the halls, high-fiving everyone like a <laughs> de-steroided Ultimate Warrior would. Um, and uh, for, for a few brief moments, oh. I was like, that must be what it's like to be popular. And then it was over. That, that, is, that is like the perfect ending to like an 80s high school movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's right. just you running, high five. Right, anybody. I jump and it freezes yes. and the yes. credits start <laughs> and Don't then it's a Wang Chung yeah. song. Forget you about open me. a really a door and it's really bright. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. It's also the end of Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, so, well, yeah. That's me at the end. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Now, uh, other than wrestling, uh, you also host two fantastic podcasts, uh, The Trending Show and uh, mm. The Grizzly Bear Egg Cafe. Mm. Uh, what are those, and please explain why it's titled that. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Trending Show is about what's trending on the internet. Uh, that's, how it, that's how it got its name, Noah. That, that one makes sense. Oh, good. Uh, and that comes out weekly, and um, I really enjoy doing that. Originally, it was done by a husband and wife duo. And uh, the husband happens to be my best friend, Clayton Morris. Uh, he now appears on Fox and Friends on the Fox News Network. And due to his television contract and the fact that this dealt with news, he needed to depart the program. Uh, then his wife uh, ended up working for uh, CNN. So then she needed to depart the program. Uh, but the program was doing very good numbers for our podcasting network, uh, the Grizzly Productions Network. And they said it would be a shame if this podcast died. Would you like to do the news? And I said no. But uh, <laughs> I will absolutely deliver news insincerely slathered in sarcasm and with slipshod research. Would that be all right? And they said yes. And so it has been for the last year or so. So I do the trending show. And then Clayton and I do team up on the Grizzly Bear Egg Cafe, where we chiefly talk superhero movies and coffee and pro wrestling and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, he and I have been best friends for about 30 years. So uh, the conceit of it really is it's an opportunity for us to stay in touch. We get to talk for an hour every week, and that's kind of uh, the way that two old friends get to stay connected. And then we record it and subject you to it. Um, <laughs> the Grizzly Bear Egg Cafe gets its name uh, from this. I'll tell you the secret origin of it. Ooh. Uh, when we were in high school, sometimes we would uh, draw some, you know, like six-panel comic sequential artwork to each other. We would doodle a little comic, and I would give him a page, and then he would draw the next page of the comic and give it back to me. And one day, uh, he delivered to me, he w- he'd been dr- dreaming up this new character of his, uh, which... Uh, was called Zip the Ghost Egg. Uh, it was an egg dressed as a ghost, and he gave it to me. And in the margin, he wrote, to frighten grizzly bear eggs. 
And I thought, I don't know what any of this means. I'm baffled by this. Nor should you. Um, right. Yeah. Thus the podcast. There you have it. <laughs> so it's a very Stanley Steve Ditko kind of story, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I absolutely love the trending show. Uh, it is the best podcast in that it lasts about 10 minutes. Hmm. <laughs> Unlike my podcast, which lasts. Two minutes or ten minutes too long every single week. Well, I like the bite-sized format of it, and the research that goes into it takes hours to get to that ten minutes. Um, because I, I do read every story that trends every single day. Um, so the research aspect of it is very time-consuming, but the end product is really typically ten minutes long. Yes, and fantastic. I highly recommend it. Where can they find that? Uh, you know, like on the Internet. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> that works. Just Google it. Uh, so now on our podcast, we like to geek out quite a bit, and we do it with a segment called What You Watch and What You Read and What You Playing. Hmm. So we talk about what we're watching and what we're reading and what we're playing. Okay. Mike, you're new to the show. What have you been watching? I am new to the show. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. What have I been watching? I just started watching House of Cards on Netflix. I'm in season one. I'm about six episodes deep. Um, it was a really pleasant surprise to discover that one of the actors on House of Cards, Corey Stoll, I believe it is, will be playing uh, the big bad in Ant-Man next uh, in July. Oh. He's the villain. Um, so I was delighted to learn that. I've been watching House of Cards, and I like it a whole bunch. I just finished Dexter. Um, oh, just finished it? Right. I, had, I did the first, I guess, seven oh. seasons and had left the final season oh. because so many friends had cautioned me against it. Yes, they said, I'm... you're not going to enjoy this last season. But then I trudged through it and agree with that assessment. <laughs> um, but I'm on to House of Cards. That's what I'm watching. Oh, man, did I hate the end of Dexter. Yes. And, and in your opinion, when did Dexter go downhill? Uh, I, I can't help but want to impose my own desires on it. So... As the season was unfolding, the final season, and this is very spoiler-heavy, I'm sorry. Um, We've spoiled Dexter on so many episodes of this podcast. They've had time. They introduced this Dr. Vogel character as a mother-like figure to Dexter, and all I'm waiting for is the big reveal that she's some kind of super psychopath manipulating all the events from behind the scenes. She's like a super puppet master. I made this happen, I made that happen, ha ha ha. And that that wasn't it at all. No. And I found it incredibly uh, unsatisfying. And then the finale I found to be, to be very unsatisfying. Oh, yes. I got n- none, nothing that even re- resembled a resolution I could accept. And, yep. then, and then it was gone. And um, it left me very unfulfilled. I, I'm a very big fan of Lost. And uh, I did not enjoy Dexter as much as Lost. And yet I was similarly dissatisfied yeah. at the end. I, I could totally... I, I agree that... I, and I think Dexter and Lost both suffered this fate. Where they went from... I want to tell a good story to we need to be shocking. Mm-hmm. And because there's a lot of moments where like people die in Lost and in Dexter where it's like, whoa, that's out of nowhere. There was a lot of good story going on with that person that I would have liked to enjoy, but I guess that wasn't important anymore. Mm. I really wish I hadn't invested in that right. character so much. And because it, it all goes back to me, the, the very first episode of Lost... Uh, Jack was going to be played by Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. And the plan was he was going to die in the first episode. So we were not going to have Jack, and we were going to have Kate as our main character. And the people at ABC said, no, you're asking your audience to invest in this character, and you're going to kill him? And J.J. was like, but it's shocking. Mm-hmm. And ABC was like, but it's entertainment, <laughs> and you're ruining it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think eventually everyone got big enough to be like, I'm going to do that thing that I wasn't allowed to do. And uh, it doesn't work. There's a reason that they weren't allowed to do it. You lost over Dexter is the, the end uh, 
mm-hmm. verdict? It, it's my very favorite television show. I don't like the way that it left me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, nothing held my interest. Nothing captured my imagination quite the way that, that Lost did. And, yeah. Um, I remember feeling similarly at the beginning of when they rebooted Battlestar Galactica for sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first couple seasons, that I felt they were very, very gripping. And uh, toward the end, they sort of lost their way. Like There was a, a, clearly a point to the narrative, and it was like, uh, we're not going to give you that. This is the best resolution we could come up with, given that we just ran out of episodes. And what I didn't like about Lost was it dabbled spirituality into my science fiction. Yes. If, uh, you're going to take me on a science fiction journey, give me a science fiction resolution. And I felt the same way about Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. It was science fiction, science fiction all the way through. And then like quasi-spiritual resolution. Do you accept Starbucks this, Starbucks and Angel. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, toward the end of that, I don't know. Um, this is, I, I always think of... The way it socked me in the gut at the end of uh, the second of the of the dreadful Fantastic Fours, uh, Galactus <laughs> is a purple cloud. Like this is the best we can do. Look, you we know, spent all the money on making the Silver Surfer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do you know what, what those Kirby esque purple helmets cost? We can't do that. People like, aren't gonna buy a giant man that eats plants. We already have a guy on fire, Rock Man, and Stretch Armstrong. We can't have <laughs> yeah. a giant purple man. No one would like that. No. <laughs> It's a to- and, and now we have toys the size of Galactus, but it's the rock. Mm-hmm. So that's the best I can get to playing Galactus with my action figures. <laughs> is Galactus, Galactus will be played by the rock. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> will, what have you been watching? Uh, I finally got uh, back into Korra. Oh, yes. Legend, yeah. Legend of Korra. Did, I thought that ended. It did, okay. but I'm behind. I was kind of. I always like to wait for things to finish before I invest in them, because if it turns out it's horrible, like that happened with Lost. I watched the first two seasons, and I'm like, I don't know where this is going. I waited for it to end. Everyone was mad. I was like, Well, I saved some time. <laughs> but apparently, the ending to Core was great, so I'm back in, and I started season three, and it's just been it's. It's great because they finally, the writers got to know they'd get to do another season, so they get to start stuff a season ahead. Like, stories that will yeah. unfold later, they get to start early. Because they're great writers, they just, they've never been able to get uh, Nickelodeon to be like, do, well, how many seasons do we have? Ah, we'll see. Well, we, we're really good writers, we'd like to write a story. Well, just do what you can with one season. Yeah, I've noticed with TV, there's a lot more, like meddling in that way where you can tell when a a season or a a show is not sure if they'll be continued Mm -hmm. and they start kind of writing towards a conclusion and then all of a sudden something terrible has to happen they have to run away from the conclusion they got screwed the first season ends uh cora loses her bending it's been out for years watch it uh (laughs) and then the next season was supposed to be her unlocking her bending so they were like well are we gonna get the next season and nickelodeon again was like ah we'll see how the ratings are at the end and they're like we have to finish writing (laughs) so then the problem just gets solved at the end of the season because they didn't know yeah well they have to play 12 hours of spongebob (laughs) the idea that they'd have room for a quality (laughs) show we can squeeze you in yeah uh, real quick, uh, I went and saw the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Ooh, That's mm. what I went and watched. Uh, they changed their Christmas story recently, and that, like, there was a big hubbub that, oh, it's a new show. I love the new show. It was about a little girl that goes up into an attic and finds a box full of like uh, uh, notes and things like that. And I know it sounds like a horror story. Cabin in the Woods. Uh, but... But as as she's reading it, like she discovers this story, this like sad Christmas story, and is able to like kind of put it back together. And it was really interesting. 
but since it's the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, it, it was like, here's some like Christmassy music, here's some Christmassy stuff. Now we're going to cover Led Zeppelin. Here we go. This is in the middle of Christmas. What happened? And the thing that they do, and I, I love this, they tell the Christmas story and they're like, you'd like that? Did you like Christmas? Yeah, we loved Christmas. <laughs> Here's not Christmas. And then a dragon came out. <laughs> what is happening? I love the Christmas dragon. <laughs> but by far the greatest moment was, you know, it's a, weird because it's an orchestra, but they're a rock band. So the guitarist ran out into the crowd, and so did the violinist, just like, <laughs> just killing it in the crowd <laughs> with his violin. And then they're running back to the stage, and some dude wanted popcorn and was just hanging out in the aisle and then there's just a guy furiously playing a violin behind him trying to politely ask this man to move and the best we got was a oh and he kind of like shoved himself against a wall and he had to like waddle through so he could continue the show he was in (laughs) so that's what I've been watching Mike what have you been reading uh, I got as a gift uh, Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, Craven from Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the J.M. DeMattis story from the end of the 80s that ran through all the spider books. I've never read that. And uh, I, got, I got that as a, as a gift, and um, I'm about halfway through Craven's Last Hunt. So uh, that's been a lot of fun to go back and visit. It's a really unique slice of Spider-Man. It's black costume Spider-Man, you know, it's post-Secret Wars. Um, Craven's a villain I don't really care about. And this makes me care uh, about him. So uh, yeah, I, Craven I like was that. one of my favorites. Really? What? Tell me why. I my only uh, knowledge of Craven comes from the '90s Spider-Man cartoon, mm. which, as far as I know, followed the Spider-Man story, the '90s comics, very closely, as mm. close as they could. I think he just he wasn't there a lot. He showed up. He was. Uh, he's just unique. I I love the '80s. Mm. So his, like, animal print and fur was very mm. appealing to me. I see. <laughs> Some yeah. people dressed in the 80s. And as I recall, Craven showed up. He was, like, one of the earliest villains Spider-Man dealt with. And by the end of the episode, he had flipped sides. Like, yeah, well, never, Craven wasn't a bad like a guy. Yeah. He was there. I forget the first time he showed up. Was he? Did he already? Because I know he comes back when he's a man spider and he's hunting him. Hmm, yeah. But I don't think that was the first introduction to Craven. Probably not. No, he has uh, his girlfriend gives him this DNA that makes him like part animal. So he's like, yes. he's monstery. He's evil. And, and then Spider Man tries- cures him, and he's like, ah, we'll be good friends now. Yes, that is. You know what? That is entirely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm guessing in this book, Craven is hunting Spider Man. Yes. <laughs> the deadliest game. <laughs> That was so, so mysterious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to ruin it. It's a great story. It's only I, five I or six issues. I kind of expected the lost logo to um, come out of your right. face. After you said that. <laughs> I've, yes. been, I've been mastering that. Uh, that's added in post production. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, so far, so far, it's been very, very good. Uh, I've got. I've had the chance to go back and reread a couple. Uh, just about a year or so ago, I had to sell my collection. I sold uh, about thirty long boxes of comics, which was a very sad day. But I've been able to go back and reread through uh, the Comicsology app some of the books that I had in, in my collection. 
So I really enjoy going back to reread uh, those kind of stories, to revisit them, uh, like the the launch of the Morrison-Porter JLA from 97. That first arc, I think, is mm-hmm. – um, I think that's a, like one of the definitive Justice League stories. I think it's one of the best Batman stories ever ever written. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy going back to, to reread that, um, and um, Craven's Last Hunt is what I'm into. And I'm about to start – I'm trying to think what the, the – I got another book uh, for the holidays – Trying to think what that is. Uh, I got a great book about collecting uh, 78 RPM records. A friend hmm. of mine gave me. There's a very unique collector market for that. So as soon as Craven's Last Hunt's over, I'm going to start reading that. That's what I'm reading. That's cool. Good stuff. I like the shift at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big turnaround. <laughs> Will, what have you been reading? I I swear it's the last time I'll do. I did another history like delve. That's fine. It's I know, reading. but I was feeling. But it was uh, uh, basically a. a Short draft of World War One, like, mm-hmm. like a yeah, like a, I because I didn't know that much about the war, so they were like, all right, here's a ba- here's a very short and now you can at least know a little bit. You have a base idea of the nightmare that was World War One. <laughs> I, I like that Mike earlier talked about splitting his leg open on a guardrail, but the mention of World War One <laughs> made him sound like he was in that was Seth's pain, right? Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I've been reading Hawkeye. If you guys haven't mm. read Hawkeye, My Life is a Weapon, you're messing up. Because it is fantastic. It is one of the greatest comics in that it's trying to be told through the eyes of Hawkeye. Like, it's trying to be a first-person comic, which I know is impossible. But it tries its best. Like, you'll see Hawkeye put on sunglasses. The next frame will be darker. And then, one of my favorite moments is a guy comes out and starts talking... And the word bubble says something in Spanish or Italian. I don't know. And because that's his interpretation. It's like, I don't speak this. He's just talking gibberish. And the way that they write Hawkeye to be funny is great. Like, because you know how we have like Spider-Man's real like snarky and so so's uh, Iron Man. He's got like a snark to him. And then we have like the fish out of water comedy with... Uh, uh, Thor and Captain America. Hawkeye's funny because he's so average. Because he's dealing with, like, just life all the time. And one of my favorite moments, because it's, it's such a great, like, slice-of-life moment, is he's having a very intense conversation about his next, like, mission. And he spills his coffee. And he goes, Oh, coffee, No. And it's just like, it's such a great, like, human moment within, like, this insane world of just dastardly missions. It's like, can't even keep my coffee up. (laughs) I thought that was just a great, I feel so alone in this opinion right now. (laughs) Everyone's just watching like, "Ah, don't care about Hawkeye. Are you guys Hawkeye fans? He's Hawkeye. Come on. Hawkeye's really good. Uh, that 83 <laughs> miniseries that Mark Grunewald did for Hawkeye really brought him to life. That's uh, the first one where they really introduced Mockingbird as something other than like a low-level S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And the way they developed him with West Coast Avengers and everything else, I think, made him something more than a flat character. There are a lot of Avengers issues, like uh, issues 100 through 180, give or take, before they pare down the team, where he's really flat. 
Uh, and in a team book, sometimes you don't have the opportunity to do that. You look at the way he's portrayed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hawkeye's never the lead guy. He's always mm-hmm. going to play second fiddle to a Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Hemsworth. These, those guys that are larger than life. But Hawkeye's very human. He's very relatable. I feel that way about my favorite Avenger, Hank Pym. He's very human. Yeah. He screws up. Uh, you go on the journey with him. Especially Hank Pym, right? He <laughs> screws up. Then he tries to make it better. He screws up even worse when he's trying to make it better. Smacks um, his wife around a little bit. Right. You, you feel for Hank Pym like, oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. And you feel that way for Hawkeye, too, because he's mortal. Uh, you know, they could cut Thor's arm off. He'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> horrible things can happen to these other guys, but not to Hawkeye or not to Hank Pym, not some of the more human ones. So I think they, they're, they're very, very relatable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Hawkeye starts in the hospital in this, uh, which I also loved, which it's like it's, it's page one. He did something and he's hurt. <laughs> like you, you don't need to know, but he's Hawkeye and he's, he's very hurt. <laughs> So I, I thought it was a, a fantastic betrayal, uh, betrayal of him. Uh, so check it out, uh, Hawkeye. My life is a weapon. Uh, so that's gonna do it, right? No, we didn't do no, playing. We, we gotta do, do playing. playing. Mike, what you playing? You playing anything? Uh, I misinterpreted this when you sent me the email about what we would discuss. So uh, what? Well, I what been, did you think it was? Uh, like like playing an album. Oh, that works. <laughs> Which okay. I realize is a very quaint concept, is it not? Um, but I've been playing uh, last year's album by Fitz and the Tantrums. Uh, they're like oh, a neo-soul group out of California. Uh, they had a, a modest radio hit with something called The Walker, which was licensed into some commercials and movie trailers and the like. But they have a, a really intriguing album. Their sound, I think, is mostly defined by the fact that there's not a guitar out in front. Um, so they have two lead singers, a male and a female lead singer. Uh, it's got a really nice sound to it. Uh, soul-wise, it's maybe akin to Mare Hawthorne, if you're familiar with the sound of Mare Hawthorne. Okay. Um, but it, I'm surprised in that most of my tastes are very outdated. And the fact that I'm listening to an album that's only a year old, I was like, I'll, I'll say that. It keeps me relevant to the kids. <laughs> so uh, fits in the tantrums. More than just a dream. I give that uh, recommendation. That's what I've been playing in my car while driving. No, that makes sense. Because I was listening to Grizzly Bear Cafe, and you were talking a lot about uh, Talking Heads. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge Talking Heads fan. Ah, yes. So I could definitely, I understand that you know playing can just be chilling out and listen to some tunes. Mm-hmm. So you're not you're not a gamer of any kind. No board games. No. Uh, I, video I, games. I have a great DC superheroes matching game and dominoes that I don't play very often. <laughs> uh, the, the last thing I played was Batman Arkham Asylum. It's a good and game. It, oh, excellent. It, good game. It took me forever to get through it and no sooner was I done uh, my friend was like well, you know there's like two more yep. you gotta get started on that right away I just but finished the third one <laughs> I, I so enjoyed how immersive it was as an experience and um, just seeing some of the stuff that you can do that's probably beyond my bandwidth like I saw footage online somebody had uh, downloaded all these different skins that they could play into the game so right. he's playing as the Adam West Batman or he's playing as these <laughs> I was like this looks amazing and I'll never have the technological know-how to accomplish this uh, but that's the, that's the last thing that I played. Well, I have to bring this up because you actually exist in your own trading card game. Maybe. Go, Are you go unaware on. Of, this? Of, of the Chikara trading card of game? Of course I am. Go on, Noah. Tell well, me the, the details of this. <laughs> uh, the Chikara trading card game is a fantastic trading card game uh, that, that actually it, it's similar to a Hero Clicks in that it, it's compatible with other decks like. There's a WWE version and a CZW, so you can play against other things. And it's a wrestling simulator, and you can you can use Lightning Mike Quackenbush as one of your your. Of cards. course, does he quack and smash? <laughs> yes, he does. He absolutely does. And the mm. Quacken Driver also shows up in the game. 
Really? You didn't know that? I'm, I've seen it played at events. I'm fairly certain Noah didn't make it up. <laughs> no, because I, the reason I bring it up is that the grand they had a big championship of this game, and Gavin Loudspeaker won. I see. Like he, uh, you're the you're talking about the Filsinger game. Games uh, company. Yes, uh, it's like Champions of the Galaxy or something like that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I now, just, I just want to plug um, your stuff. There was a. Uh, Listen, Phil Singer Games making all the money on that one. Um, oh, okay, but never mind. Definitely play that. <laughs> I remember growing up, I played a lot of RPGs and that sort of thing, so I was more familiar with the terminology. But I loved when we got some of the cards backstage, and some of the guys not as familiar with that as a general conceit were like, what's this move of mine, saving throw? Because <laughs> if, th- if you think of that in a wrestling context, that yeah, could very well be... A maneuver. Exactly. The fact that it isn't a maneuver is, is a, a huge mistake. <sighs> That's right. But now yeah. i got to start... Getting into professional wrestling because if you could get, we should get a a a tabletop tag team, yeah, to fight the Super Smash Brothers. Saving throw, I go up in the top 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 of the ropes, and then it's a natural twenty off the top. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Writes itself. This is perfect. (laughs) We've really hit every every spot on the geek spectrum throughout the course of this podcast. It's every podcast. Oh, I see. All right. I'm glad glad to have been part of it. We got a checklist over here. We got to go through it all. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you hit Doctor Who. It's perfect. We're great. Uh, Will, what have you been playing? I actually started running uh, a Dungeons & Dragons campaign last weekend, which I have not done in, I don't know, 10 years. It's been a very long time. And I... I be, I couldn't think of anything to do. Uh, some friends of mine asked me to run it. I was like, I'll just take it from a movie. Uh, some stuff happened. They were kind of like, this reminds me of something. And then at one point, <laughs> I introduced a, a, a NPC, and they were like, what's his name? I was like, his name's Captain Quinn. Like, this is Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> and so they ran. They got to play Jaws in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anytime where you fight a shark, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Which, which, spoilers, happens in uh, Batman Arkham City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I played. I, I finished uh, uh, Gotham... No, which one? Origins. Yes, I beat Origins. And uh, I am, as most of you know, a crazy person. And uh, I need to complete everything. Uh, and the Riddler was still on the loose... And he had lots of things hidden that I needed to find and solve. Uh, and he kind of looks like me. So, like, it's important. <laughs> I have this connection with the Riddler. And the idea that there is no payoff for what I was doing <laughs> never dawned on me at all. And basically it says, it says, collect all of these to get into the Riddler's secret room. I was like, ooh, got to get in that secret room. It's full of secrets. <laughs> it's a room. That was basically it. There was a, a teaser for the next game in, in there, but it was a prequel. So it was a teaser for a game I already played. So it was kind of just like, <laughs> this is going to happen still. <laughs> you wasted hours of your life. So that's no. I still haven't gotten. I have other things. I have. I still have anarchy to deal with. He's still he's he spray painted some things. So I got to go deal with that. That's a Batman worthy crime. And and there's also there's also Batman's not a cop. He can't write citations. He's a criminal. 
Mm-hmm. There's also a weird storyline about... You know like, how fast you were going, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> Let's show off with a warning. You will wait for the light. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's a subplot in there where if you find, like, old landmarks, you can find recordings from the original architect from Gotham, and you can hear about how the <laughs> Penguin's grandfather... Like Greg or Gregory Copplepot is planning to murder him, and you can solve this crime. And Alfred actually says to you, "If you solve this, this will be a great feather in your cap." So Alfred's even saying, "It's it's just a thing to do. Like there's not going to be a payoff. Everyone involved, <laughs> the crime is dead is done decades ago. Got to do it. I'm a crazy person." <laughs> So next week, listen to me complain about how much I hated that part of the game. I can't do that. I because I like I like role playing games, and even when it's not like I get like I'm like oh, I'm gonna role play. I'm gonna solve this problem. So when somebody's like, "Here's the main quest," and then some little girl's like, "Can you help me find?" I'm like, "No, I have to save the world. Leave me alone." <laughs> and then I'm done the game in two hours. I'm like this sucked. <laughs> See, I look at it like a book. Like there there would never be a time where you're just like, and then this character showed up. Well, I don't care. Uh, you them. have never read Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> there are whole character chapters of nope. <laughs> Don't care. Oh, Tyrion's back. Let's we could read again. Well, well, Mike, thank you for sitting quietly through the the things you don't understand. Ah, thank you for waking me. Because <laughs> uh, 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 we end every podcast with a game. Uh, this week, I'm not going to take it out because it's huge. Uh, but I'm going to be giving away, uh, behind you is a life-sized Hulk Hogan. Uh, he, uh, I'm moving, and he is not. So, if, so we are going to put up our life-sized Hulk Hogan. Uh, Mike, what did you bring? Uh, I brought with me uh, the Chikara graphic novel Untold Tales. And uh, this is a uh, hat that keeps heads warm. Uh, mm. During the winter, it's been specially formulated Ooh, for it, warmth. Does it work in the summer? Uh, I don't. There's no science on that mm. just yet. <laughs> well, to, to play host versus guest versus audience, we need an audience member, but they need to put up a prize for us to win since we put up these amazing prizes. This man has a smartphone. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, that sounds correct. Good. What did you guys bring this week for prizes? He's, he's running, away. running away. He, he literally uh, ran away. Uh, there's Madden 94 Ooh. on the Super Nintendo. Mm. <laughs> uh, there is a uh, Randy Macho Man Ooh. Savage uh, pop figurine. Choice. Hall of Famer this, uh, after this WrestleMania. And three <laughs> X-Men, oh, I'm sorry, five X-Men comic books. But one bag and board? What's, what's going on yeah. here? <laughs> it, it, in kind of mint condition for some of them. <laughs> kind of mint. That's a new one in Overstreet. It's, it's always good when you just shake them wildly. <laughs> right. That's really good for them. <laughs> Any other takers? Any other prizes? That appears to be it this week. Mike, it is your choice as our guest. Would you like to play for Madden 94 on the Super Nintendo, the X-Men comic books, or the Randy Macho Man Savage figurine? Uh, I have a Super Nintendo. I could play that if I so chose. I have those issues of X-Men already. But I don't have a Macho Man Randy Savage bobblehead. So bring it on. All right. Come on up here. That is so coming home with me. I don't know if that head bobbles, but... No, they don't. They're No? They're for display. They're just for display. Yes. I, I do have a Daniel Bryan one of those. 
Thank you so much. All right, turn your mic on and introduce yourself. It's Chuck. Hey, Chuck. Welcome back up on the show. I feel like my mic's really hot. Thanks. I'm going to turn you down a smidge. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, So I try to cater the game towards the guests every week here. So we're going to play a game called New Segment. Basically what this is, it is an evaluation of things that are currently trending or work currently trending on the internet. Mm. One of them is real and one of them is made up. You need to tell me what is real. Does this game sound familiar to you, Mike? Uh, a little bit. A little good, bit. good. It's supposed to. So we're going to start with Chuck on this one, and everyone will get a chance to answer. I actually remembered a pen this week, so oh. things are going great. Uh, what is currently trending worldwide? Just so you know, I made this game at like 4 o'clock. So this is before <laughs> whatever happened at the Capitol building. I, was, I saw it when I was running out. Oh, what no, is, what happened to the Capitol? I don't know. I don't know. But one of these things was trending worldwide. Was it hashtag guess the name of One Direction's next album? It's abbreviated to 1D for characters and stuff. And, uh, or is it hashtag to kiss Justin Bieber, I would? Uh, one Direction. One Direction. Mike, what do you think? Uh, I'll, I'll go with Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. I, I will also go with the Biebs. The correct answer is guess the name of Ooh. 1D's mm. next album, which doesn't give you enough characters to then guess anything. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a point for Chuck. Yeah. Justin Bieber's not cool anymore, guys. That's right. No, he's, he's <sighs> so a troubled soul. He's a troubled soul. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with Mike on this one. Mm. Uh, what was the top searched film of 2014 according to Bing? You know that thing nobody uses. Hey, <laughs> I like Bing. <laughs> no, you Back off. Yes, uh, I'll guess the interview. Oh, well, I got two choices for you. All right then. Uh, Frozen mm. or Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, look at that. Uh, I'll guess Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Will. Ooh. I f- despite Guardians' popularity, I feel like Frozen was more popular. But I feel like more people were confused as to what Guardians of the Galaxy is. <laughs> so yeah, what is this? I need to search it. I'm going to go with Frozen. going to go Frozen. I'm going to go with Frozen, too. The correct answer is Frozen. Frozen was number one. Guardians of the Galaxy was number two. <laughs> I'm really Kid, sorry. Kids yeah. use Bing, apparently. This is going terribly. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you hit me up for that bridge toll on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Will, we start with you. Right. Uh, according to Yahoo News, what was the biggest news story in 2014? The Malaysian airplane goes missing? Or celebrity nude pictures? Celebrity nude pictures. Okay, celebrity nudes. Uh, there were two Malaysian airfl- airplanes that went missing, but I think I'm going to go with celebrity nudes. I think there were three. I think one got shot in <laughs> the Ukraine, too. They were losing them Not a good right. year for Malaysian Airlines. <laughs> no. Uh, I also think celebrity nudes. Yes, celebrity nudes was considered a bigger news story than missing planes. Than three and I think unless planes. you were watching what. C-SPAN or Sienna, whoever wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> See, what's amazing is there was a point where, like, because two of them crashed, we know. Yeah. One of them was just gone for a while. Yeah. And still gone. I mean, we probably crashed. But, like, for a while, we're just like, mm, Lost Island, maybe. Who yeah, knows? why, like, well, there are people fighting, like, it didn't crash. It's, it's on the island with Elvis and the, Amelia Earhart, yeah, Amelia Earhart well, and the Lindenberg baby. Yeah, it was it one disappeared, then one got shot down in Russia, and then the most recent one went down somewhere near Thailand, I think. Yeah. Don't fly Malaysian airs. <laughs> or do, it's really cheap. 
Right, yeah, <laughs> the air fares are so low. Yeah, so low. <laughs> you can't not do it. Uh, all right, we start with Chuck on this one. Hashtag Ask Superwoman Live was the number one trend in what country? Australia or the United Kingdom? Superwoman Live? Yeah, Ask Superwoman Live. United Kingdom. United Kingdom. I also think United Kingdom. They can't possibly have the internet in Australia, so I will go with (laughs) the United Kingdom. It was Australia. What? And I got super excited. I was like, we're talking about Superwoman. This is going to be huge. No, it's some YouTube celebrity that decided so, that she owns the name Superwoman. Did she win that lawsuit? I, I don't know. I didn't ask. It's trending from that country. Yes. Like, so he's just the one guy in Australia with Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thus making it the most important thing. Uh, Mike, what is the most popular hashtag on Instagram? Is it hashtag love or hashtag selfie. Mm. Hashtag selfie. It's got to be hashtag selfie. Hashtag love. Hashtag love Ooh. is correct. <laughs> Chuck, you are crushing it this time. I'm sorry. Instagram. I know love selfie's me that a song. Like hashtag yeah. selfie's a song you would think. But no, not true. Uh, we start with Will. Will. Okay. Who was today's number one Google search? Was it Miley Cyrus or Nancy Grace? Who? Yes. Stop looking at the audience for, for help. Nancy Grace. Chuck. Uh, Miley Cyrus. I feel like she did something stupid. I think Miley Cyrus. Uh uh, there was a lot of news about Nancy Grace because she had two chains on her uh, her show, and two chains out debated her. However, Miley Cyrus's ex boyfriend is now dating somebody, so what? she was far more important. Yes. So Miley Cyrus Will is correct. Liam. I know. I put a for some conceited reason one day I decided to Google alert my name, so I put William into Google alert. So now anytime. Something about Liam Hemsworth comes up. It's just, will Liam Hemsworth (laughs) get back with Miley? And Google's like, hey, this is what you wanted. (laughs) You asked for this. (laughs) I will do one more round of this. Here we go. Uh, At 4 o'clock today, what was the number one trend in Ireland? Uh, Was it Slipknot? (laughs) Or hashtag Storm Rachel? Storm Rachel. Storm Rachel. Storm Rachel. Storm Rachel. What is a Storm Rachel? <laughs> what is a Slipknot? <laughs> well, no, a Slipknot's a thing. It's a tie, right? At least. I'll go with Slipknot and be different. It was Storm Rachel, yeah. but Slipknot was right under it. Why? Which makes me wonder what is going on in Ireland right now. <laughs> that those are the two important things that are happening. Mike, I thought you'd be much it's better at this game. See, I would think... This get- is really indicative of the quality reporting of the trending show. Yeah. <laughs> so please join me on the trending show every week. The Ireland Twitter would be Guinness, uh, potatoes, and where are the potatoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too soon for famine jokes. It's offensive. <laughs> offensive. 200 years later, too soon. <laughs> Mike, what YouTube video is trending higher today. Is it a cheesy love story and a Doritos ad that you don't want to see? 
Or is it a crazy footage of an earthquake that was showing the world opening up? The Doritos ad. Will? Ah, you are super confident about that. I've also been wrong every That's time. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I'll go with the earthquake. Earthquake? Uh, cheesy love story Doritos. Uh, the crazy earthquake footage is the sixth most popular. Ah. And the uh, cheesy love story is the third most popular. It's a video that's hidden as a Doritos commercial, and then at the end hits you with, Doritos destroys the rainforest. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) It's very upsetting. (laughs) But that is a point for Mike and a point for Chuck. Boom. And finally, uh, what has trended more on Google in the history of the internet? The Doge? Or Grumpy Cat? Hmm. Whose turn is it? What? Whose turn? Whose turn is it? Oh, it's Will's turn. Uh, I want to say the Doge. Doge? Yes. Doge is older, but Grumpy Cat has been around for those like weird popular areas of people, so I'm going to go with Grumpy Cat. Grumpy also, Cat? he's got a huge, like, he's got a lot of money. It's like worth like $4.6 billion. I don't think it's anywhere I, I near want, that high. It might be million. It might be I million. I want to throw up. You may need to start hosting the trending show. I will totally sign <laughs> on for that. Uh, I'm going with Grumpy Cat. <laughs> well, Doge has a race car. But Grumpy Cat hosted Raw and has a Christmas movie. Yes. <laughs> Grumpy Cat is correct. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and after tallying up the scores, that means Chuck is our winner. Woo! You get, you have defended your Randy Macho Man Savage, and you get a cool hat and a Hulk Hogan to battle your mini Macho Man. I'm also getting a new apartment, so that's going like right in the doorway. Like, <laughs> yes, as soon exactly. As you walk in. <laughs> Give it up to Chuck. Yay! Mike, we got to get out of here. Anything you want to plug? Uh, nothing that we haven't plugged already. Thank you very much. But it's the end of the show. Like, people are going to be done oh, and I be see. like, well, what do I do now? What should I Google? You should go to ChikaroPro.com. Uh, come out and see us live. And you can, as mentioned, you can catch up with me on The Trending Show or The Grizzly Bear Egg Cafe. Both of those are available to subscribe to in iTunes, where we appreciate your five-star reviews. My self-esteem fluctuates based entirely on the praise or criticism of strangers. Nice. <laughs> I've been Mike Quackenbush, and thank you very much. That bridge Thank you so is five much for bucks. coming, Mike. Five bucks to get across the Walt Whitman Noah. I'm so sick of hearing about this bridge. <laughs> it's terrible. It is terrible. It's cost prohibitive. Get a boat. <laughs> Will, anything to add? Uh, no. <laughs> Thanks, Will. <laughs> We want you to give us five stars on the iTunes and leave a fact about a pineapple, and I will read it here on this show. By the way, here's two quick facts about pineapples. (laughs) People used to go crazy for this segment. Uh, The heaviest pineapple of all time is is 8.2 kilos. That is the world record pineapple. Also, Chunky Kong and uh, Donkey Kong 64 used the pineapple launcher as his weapon. And that's been two quick facts about pineapples. 
Also, be sure to give us five stars on Twi- on uh, Stitcher. You can also uh, make us the podcast of the month on podcastland.com. Uh, upcoming shows that we got coming up here on the podcast. Next week, we turn we go back to being on Thursdays. Uh, on the 22nd, we're going to have Marcus from Mental Poison Live, so be sure to come for that one. Uh, the 29th is TBA, to be announced. Uh, on the 5th, we have our Championship of Champions. A bunch of our past winners will be coming back to be here on this show, including Gabby Gilbert, the models of Sick and Sexy, Drew Castellano, Derek Badichek, Mike Logan, CJ Kiss and a bunch of other people. I'm sure Chuck will be here, so be sure to check that one out. Uh, then we have Craven, wrestler Craven, on the show on the 12th, and then we're going to have Mike Lecision here on the 19th. He is the creator of Life in Eight Bits. That's going to do it for the show. We'd like to thank Ben Affleck and his dishonest chin for making the show possible and keeping the streets of Gotham City safe. This is the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. Thank you so much. So so I'm guessing in this book Craven is hunting Spider-Man? Yes.